Good morning. You guys awake today? Yeah. Aren't you glad the games don't start cut out? There we go. Now I'm back. Start talking about the game. It's prophetic. It means I better get done in time. Somebody was bugging me about it earlier this week. I said, well, I'm speaking, so... I can determine. And they said, well, what if the Holy Spirit shows up, which he already is here, so that part's already happened. But what if he makes a mess of it for hours and hours? I said, well, God likes to watch his team at 12 o'clock. We'll just put it on the screen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Next week, man, you do not want to miss it. With the Shriers are going to be here on Saturday. Um, it is empowering marriage. If you're not married, still come. It's basically, it's relationship. Those that are married know that it's about relationship. And relationship principles apply whether you're married or not. It doesn't just apply to married people. It applies how you relate to your kids, your coworkers. Your family, everything. So I would not miss it. It's going to be a great morning with them. And then they'll be with us Sunday morning. And wow, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Oh, it got really quiet. Oh, there they are. I was with Shannon in uh, August at a conference in Wyoming, Labarge, Wyoming, which is an amazing place. God actually shows up. In the middle of nowhere. And boy, did he show up when Shannon got up and shared just the presence. See, I... I, Yeah. You start going back to places. So. But he carries such a presence of Jesus wherever they go. So I, I would not miss it. I know some of you that are online, you might not feel comfortable being around people. Our chairs are spaced out. I would encourage you to come. You can space out, isolate yourself as much as you want. Spaced out, yeah. But there's something about being in the room. You can experience the presence of God anywhere you're at, at, right? We know that. But there's something special about being in the room. So I'd really encourage you to be here. Be here at 10 and worship together and then be with this amazing couple. So come. It's going to be awesome. Katie, did Katie go to the youth or are you still in the room? She's up there serving. Look at her doing lyrics, doing offering. She's an amazing, amazing lady. But wasn't that a good word? Some of you are like, oh, what did she say? I've already forgotten. I mean, you can go home already with that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to, yeah. I got to stay focused here because the, game, yeah, the game's coming on at 12. I got to keep, stay focused, no. But that word of, what are you listening to? powerful. 
Yeah, that is sin. Yeah, uh, man. I, whew. This is, I'm not, I was not prepared for this, but a centurion that didn't know Jesus. He didn't know the law, or we don't know if he knew, but most likely he was Roman. He knew of many gods. But he was willing to listen to the one true God. So it is really important. What God are you listening to? If you want your faith to grow, you have to determine what you're listening to. Are you listening to the Jesus that we know? Or are you listening to all the other gods that are speaking? So, Katie, thank you. That was, as you can tell, it's still messing me up. Thanks a lot. Next time you have to speak in front of people, I'm going to do something to mess you up. Yeah, Dave did that last week. Then you had to do worship after he told the story of your dad. So I guess it's kind of payback. (laughs) Next time, pay him back, not me. All right. All right. Back to football. Priorities, absolutely. I know I'm probably going to lose half the room here when I say this, but... Last weekend's football games were absolutely amazing. And they were the greatest football playoff weekend in history. The difference in score was only 15 points between all four games. The record was 18 points. And in those football games, they came down to three things. And every coach will tell you, to win the game, it comes down to three phases of the game. It comes down to offense, defense, and special teams. Most people are like, yeah, offense makes sense. You got you to score more points than the other team. Defense makes sense. You have to keep the other team from scoring. Most people don't really think special teams is some great thing. Uh, it's just kind of something they do. Well, tell that to the Green Bay Packers. That special teams doesn't matter. Every game ended in regulation with a field goal, either to win the game or to tie the game. It came down to special teams. Came down to all three. So today I want to start a series. I'll be speaking uh, three times over the next four weeks. And so I want to start a, a series on faithfulness, obedience, and love. The three phases of the game, the game of the kingdom. So I'm going to speak today on faithfulness, because how many of you want to be winners? You want to be winners? I figured you did. I figured most Tampa Bay fans weren't in the rooms, so he already, he already exited out, so, so I know I'm in a, a room full of winners. Most of you are Niner fans, so yeah. And then the team that Jesus loved, the Chiefs, are playing at 12. <laughs> but, we're, but we want to be winners, right? 
We want to win in life. We want to win in our families. We want to live in the kingdom. Right? So one of those things is faithfulness. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I need some more coffee. Or maybe less. <laughs> what are you doing with what he has given you? So if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25. Verse 14. So Jesus is talking to a crowd of people. His disciples are there also. And he's talking to them in parables. And he starts this parable. This is verse 14. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So Jesus is describing the kingdom here. He's describing himself. And it says that he gave each according to his ability. So he's handing out gifts and responsibilities. But he's giving it out to their ability. So the guy with five, he thinks he can handle five. Right? The the guy with one, he knows he can handle one. So I thought it was really interesting. He actually gives different amounts. Jesus is not fair like we see fair. Like how many of you got kids? And you give one, two, and you try to give one the other one. What do they say? That's not fair. Right? Our definition of fair is probably a little skewed. But Jesus is saying he gives out different amounts but according to their ability. And I'm so glad he does. Because if I can only handle one bag of gold, then what am I going to do with two? Or if I can handle five, why would he give me ten? Why would he set me up to fail? Right? Jesus does not set us up to fail. Even though sometimes it might seem like it. He might put us in situations that aren't comfortable. It didn't say he gave it out to what they were comfortable with. It said he gave it out to their ability. So let's continue on. Verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, And hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of these servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come. And share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. 
So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit in the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has shall be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there's three guys. Two of them do something with what the master gave them. And one didn't do anything. Right? He went and hid it. And the master says, hey, why didn't you put it in the bank? At least I could have got interest off of it. And we think of our current banking system. That our money is insured in a bank, right? The bank gets robbed. Our money is still safe. Back then, that's not how it was. You put your money in the bank. If the bank was robbed, your money's gone. Right? You with me? So the master didn't say, go put it in a safe place. He actually said, why didn't you put it at risk? It could have got interest, but at the same time, it could have got stolen. So it's, he's not saying, why weren't you safe with it? Why didn't you put it somewhere where it was guaranteed something? But this one guy that had the one bag of gold had a, a really bad mindset. So I'm going to look at three things here. Three things that he thought that didn't serve him well. Number one, he didn't think he had the ability. He forgot that the, the master had entrusted him with the bag of gold. He didn't think he could handle multiplying the bag. So he went and hit it. And for us, we can't have a mindset that we don't have the ability to handle what God gives us. It's something I think we deal with a lot. That we don't think we're good enough. Or we don't think we have the skills enough to handle what God's given us. But it says that he only gave it to their ability. And so if we have a mindset that we don't have the ability, then we're not going to do it. We're going to go bury our treasure that God's given us. So his his messed up mindset was he didn't think he had the ability. Don't let your insecurities paralyze you into into doing nothing. See, his insecurities drove him to bury it. But he had the ability. He had it in him. But he let his insecurities. Don't let your insecurities do nothing. Number two, he didn't realize who his master was. See, he even said about his master, he said, you, you reap where you don't even sow. Like, you get a harvest where you did nothing. 
And so what did the guy with the one bag do? Nothing. He didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't realize his master shows where he doesn't necessarily throw seed. And instead of tapping into the favor that his master had, he chose to run from it. See, we have Jesus, right? We have the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And it still blows my mind that he chose to give all of himself, all his Holy Spirit to us to live inside of us. So we can tap into his favor any time we need to. It's all there. The ability's there, and he's there. He's the God that created the universe. Do you think he has the answers for your problems? The answers are already created. He knows how everything works. You know the old VCRs that nobody ever knew how to work or record. He knew how to do it. He knows how to do it all. And all we have to do is tap into his resource. But we first have to believe he actually is a resource. So many times we think, oh, I I just don't have enough. But you have access to the one that has everything. He is the resource. He is the favor. If you need favor, just tap into him. See, this guy forgot that he had the favor of the master. Number three, he made the wrong friends. He made fear his friend. Verse 28 or 25 says, So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. When you allow fear to be your guide, you will dig yourself in a hole. See, fear is not your friend. Naturally, we think fear will protect us. And rescue us. But it doesn't. When we make fear our friend and we make decisions out of fear, we bury our treasure. We bury ourselves. We dig ourselves a hole and bury ourselves. Because that's what fear wants you to do. See, this guy trusted his fear more than he trusted his master. He trusted that the fear would get him through. If I just tap into this fear and go with it, it'll protect me from my enemy. But we know that doesn't work. Because fear is your enemy. And when we make it our friend, it'll steal our harvest. Fear will steal your harvest. But we have a God that loves. And he operates in love. He doesn't operate in fear. He's not our God that tries to scare us into things. He doesn't try to make you fearful of the future so you'll do what he wants. He does the complete opposite. 
He loves you into your future. He loves you into your destiny. He loves you into your harvest. So let's lose the mindset that fear is our friend. Because it will steal your harvest. We need to be guided by the Holy Spirit, not by fear. So let's talk about the other two real quick. The other two that did something with what they were given. Number one, they believed they had the ability because their master said they did. Jesus has given us the ability to handle anything he puts in your hands. I mean, I've been in church a long time, and you know the saying, he never gives you more than you can handle. And I used to believe that, and then I didn't. Because I'm like, he asked me to do some really tough things. So I don't really believe that. That he doesn't give you more than you can handle. But I think in truth, because it's not about feelings. He only gives us what, what our ability can handle. That doesn't mean... He gives us what we think we, we can handle. But what, what he's given us the ability to handle. And these two knew that when the master gave it to him, he had full confidence in what he gave them to do. Number two, they relied on the favor of their master to reap a harvest. Jesus calls us sons and daughters, co-heirs with him. How many of you would not lend your favor to your child? How many of you would not lend your favor to a co-heir? Right? You want your children to be prosperous, right? And, and be winners. How many of you were rooted for your child to lose? How many felt like? No. Don't answer that one. <laughs> Unfortunately, I probably have. When she hasn't practiced all week and... It's another story. But he wants you to win. And this master that gave out the gold wanted his servants to win. He wanted them to be prosperous. And these two tapped into that. And three, they didn't let fear be their friend. They did what the master would have done. They went out and multiplied it because that's what the master would have done. The person that gave them the gold, if they kept it for themselves, they would have multiplied it. So that's what they went out and did. And it's always a risk. Whenever we put our talents or our dreams, our families out there, whenever we put what God's given us out there to try to multiply it, it's always going to be at risk. Because there is no guarantees. God hasn't guaranteed that you'll multiply it every single time. That you won't make mistakes. But that's the great thing about God. He knows that. And he, like he told the one with the one bag. I wish you would have put it in the bank. Put it, I wish you would have put it at risk. So I can multiply it. And that's what God's asking us. Are we willing to put what we have at risk? Are we willing to take what he's given us and be faithful with what he's given us and put it at risk? So a couple more examples here I want to talk about, but this was the result. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. See, that's the result of the two that were faithful with what was given to them. So I want to look at a couple more examples, and then we're going to spend some time in his presence. Some more time in his presence. So if you have your Bibles, turn it to 1 Samuel 17. See, there's this boy that was out tending his father's sheep. And his dad comes out to him and says, hey, I need you to go take food to your brothers. They're, at the, they're in the army. They need to be some food, so I want you to take them. So he packs up, heads off. David heads off to his brothers, gives them food. But he gets there, and there's a giant taunting the armies of Israel. And not only taunting the armies of Israel, but also taunting God. And so eventually, he works his way to the king and tells Saul, hey, I'll go fight him. Nobody else will, but I'll go fight him. And Saul tells him, basically, what what? who do you think you are? Like, this guy's been a warrior since he was a kid, and you're just a kid. What ability do you think you have? And this was David's response. This is verse 34 of chapter 17. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Then a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it, struck it. And rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. So David's basically saying, Hey, I was faithful with my dad's flock, with my dad's sheep. I was tending his flock. And a bear came, and a lion came, and they carried off a sheep. I don't think we realize it carried off one sheep. I think I, at my current state, would be like, bless you, have a good dinner. (laughs) It's one sheep, nobody's going to notice. My dad's not going to notice one sheep's gone. No way. You know, he didn't have a gun. He didn't have a gun to be, you know, many, many yards away. He had to get up close and personal to kill it. He put himself at risk to kill it. But he said, he's telling Saul, hey, I was faithful. I went after the one. I put my life at risk for one sheep. Of course I can kill this Philistine. It's just one man. But he was faithful. He was faithful to his dad, who didn't even see him as a son. See, earlier before this, Samuel comes to anoint a king from Jesse's house. And Samuel tells Jesse, bring me your sons. And he brings all the sons, but he doesn't bring David. Now, I think you have to kind of realize the context here. The prophet comes and says, bring me all your sons. 
back in the day, you did what the prophet asked, or you might not be breathing much longer. Read the Bible. Read the Old Testament. It's there. And so Jesse left David out on purpose. This wasn't an accident. This wasn't, oh, I lost count of all my kids. I have so many. You know, he's not like the Sarards. You know, oh, shoot, I missed one. Dang it. But even though his dad didn't even recognize him as a son, he still stayed faithful to his dad. He stayed faithful to what was given to his hands. You know, a lot of us have jobs that our boss isn't very good, isn't very nice, or people in our organization aren't very kind. Are we being faithful with the little things in our jobs, in our families? Because a man, a boy, a child, they feared he was a teenager, a teenager of all. Knew the principle of staying faithful with the little things. Even though it was serving someone that didn't even recognize him as a son. So there really is no excuse for us. Not to be faithful in the little things. But because David was faithful for one sheep. He became a king. You know the the end of the story. He kills Goliath. And then. They say it was about 14, 15, somewhere many years from the time he was anointed to the time he became king. 15 years. But he was faithful with the little things. And it produced a king. One more example here. Uh, If you want to turn to Mark 6. Jesus is trying to teach this principle to his disciples. So Jesus is talking to a large crowd. It's getting late. My guess is, it doesn't say this, but my guess is the disciples are getting hungry. Because like, they're like, hey, Jesus, send them away because they're hungry so they can go get food. I think they're probably, hey, send them away so we can eat, please. Because, you know, we'd feel a little guilty eating in front of them. They don't have food. You know, so Jesus, they're having this conversation and this is Jesus's response to the disciples saying, send them away. Says, this is uh, verse 37 it says, but he answered, you give them something to eat. Now the disciples are looking at, you know, they counted 5,000 men and then there was women there, children. So. There was a lot of people there. And Jesus simply goes, you give them something to eat. Why would Jesus say you give them something to eat? Because he already knew they had the ability and the resource in their hands. He knew that they already had the ability and resource in his hands. Let's continue on what what Jesus says. says, they said to him, what would make more, that would make, take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? 
How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five, and two, five loaves and two fishes. I find it really interesting here. The disciples said, it will take a ton of money to feed all these people. Do you want us to go do that? Which means they had the money to do it. Right? Because they're not going to ask to go do something if they don't have the money. They're asking Jesus, do you want us to solve this with the money we have in hand? We have this amount of money. Can we go, do you want us to go spend it on this? And Jesus says, no, what do you have? What do you have? What food do you have? See, they wanted to solve the problem with the big thing. They wanted to solve the problem with the big amount of money. And Jesus said, what kind of, how much food do you have in your hand? They said, well, we got five loaves, two fishes, basically enough for us. And he's like, okay, that'll work. Are you going to be faithful with the little thing? See, they could have gone out and spent the money. But Jesus was asking them, what are you going to do with the five loaves and the two fishes? Jesus' solution to the problem was already in their hands. Jesus was trying to teach them, be faithful with the little things. And I can produce big things. All right, you know the rest of the story. Jesus takes the five loaves and the fish. He thanks God for them. And everybody's fed. And they had a bunch of baskets left over of food. But they could have simply just bought it. But that's not always Jesus' plan. Because he was trying to teach the disciples, are you faithful with the little things? Are you faithful with what I've already given you with the five loaves and the two fishes? See, God doesn't always do it the easy way. He does it the way that will produce faithfulness in you. See, the disciples had to learn, no matter what they have in their hand, they can tap into the God that has everything. That five loaves and two fishes would feed a multitude of people. And I think it's really important for us this year to learn how to be faithful with what God's put in our hands. It's easy to dream about things. Oh, if I just had a million dollars, I could do this, this, and this. Right? How many? I I do it all the time. Man, if I had the beach in Hawaii would be amazing. Or whatever it is. But we have to start dreaming with what we have in our hand. And being faithful with what God's put in our hands. Because when we dream about the big things that we don't have, we're like the one with the bag. We just bury it. Because we don't want to lose it. But when we have eyes to see the things that we have in our hand that are plugged in to Jesus, then the big things can be possible. And he's asking us, will you be faithful with the little things, because that's what he cares about. 
He didn't care that the disciples had enough money to buy everyone food. And it wasn't that, oh, that's just too much money to spend. It'll deplete the treasury too much. He's the God of everything. He, he had plenty of money, knew how to get money. He got money out of a fish's mouth. So it wasn't a money issue. It was an issue of, are you going to be faithful with the little things? With his disciples. Can I have the band come on up? You might think what you have is small and insignificant. But David became a king because he took care of one lamb. Thousands were fed because they had five loaves and two fishes. What God's given us isn't insignificant. It's not small. And it's ability to do what he wants it to do. Every one of us has something in our hands that God's given us. And it's given to our ability. So don't worry about screwing it up. Don't worry about not being good enough. Because we're tapped into him. He reaps where he doesn't sow. But are we willing to tap into that and be faithful with the little things that he's given us? Why don't you stand with me? See, Jesus cares about you. He cares about you personally. Does he want you to do great things? Absolutely. But he cares about you. And he cares about what you do with the small things. Are you faithful with what I've given you? And I think Jesus is asking that question of us today. So I want you to start having a conversation with the Holy Spirit. I imagine everybody in this room has done some amazing things has been faithful with some small things that God's given you and then we've all probably had areas in our life of things that we haven't been great at being faithful in so we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to highlight those things this isn't a hunt to see how horrible a person you are This is just opening up your life to the Holy Spirit to put a spotlight on something. Because he wants you to be fruitful. He wants the big things for you. But he knows it happens through one sheep. He knows it happens being faithful with the five loaves and the two fish. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you shine a light on what you've given us. And if there's any area in our lives that we're not being faithful to what you've given us, that you would shine a light on it so we can start that journey of faithfulness with you. 
We get rid of the friend of fear. Holy Spirit, take fear out of our lives. We no longer will serve fear, but we'll serve you. We'll follow you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, guide us in how to tap into your resources, into your favor. God, teach us how to be confident in you and that you've given us the ability to be faithful in the small things. If you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus that gave it all for you, that came into this world to bring you freedom, 
that he came and was faithful to you. And you want to come into a relationship with him. If that's you this morning, I just want you to slip up your hand so that we can pray over you to introduce you to this Jesus that gave everything for you, that loves you, and that will bring freedom to your life. If you're online, just slip up your hand wherever you're at. And just simply say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for giving your all for me. Come and be my Savior. Come into my life and set me free. If I can have the ministry team come on up front. Don't leave this place until you've had that conversation with the Holy Spirit of what does living life of faithfulness look like for you? How does he want you to live your life as a faithful one? Because if you do it, if you live your life faithful with those small things, you're going to win big. You're going to win big in your family. You're going to win big at your job. But it starts with being faithful with what he's given us. So Jesus, thank you that you trusted us with gifts and talents and so much more. And we're saying today, as the mission, we will be faithful with what you've given us. It might look small, it might look insignificant, but we will be faithful with the one. And we commit as people of this family that we will be faithful to you and what you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need healing, we're seeing miracles happen every day. We had few weeks ago, a miracle just happened, a healing just during worship. God is, you know, Jesus loves to show off. So allow him to show off. So if you need prayer this morning, these are wonderful ministers up here ready to pray with you. If you need, if you got situations going on in your life or your family that you need someone to agree with you, they're here to pray with. Or if you need some deliverance or healing, just come on up. And let Jesus encounter you this morning. And don't miss Saturday, 9 o'clock, and then Sunday, 10 a.m. Look forward to see you there. Love you.